The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. My first in-person retreat <laughs> since uh, March of 2020. Yes, it was good. <laughs> um, and I just came away really appreciating so much um, how simple the practice can be, <laughs> you know, in, 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 in a retreat and in person retreat like that. Um, it just feels so much like I keep saying the same things over and over, you know, be aware, notice what's happening <laughs> and, and, and offering some um, encouragement that that's actually what creates the conditions for the deeper learning and freedom to happen. Just the simple, this simple, simple, simply described practice of meeting experience, of being with our experience. The more we can do that in a kind of a continuous way, the more moment after moment, we're aware of what's happening in our experience, the more we see about how our minds get caught. And the more we see about ways that our mind can let go. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, It takes a lot of courage and patience and a lot of um, letting go of our judgments about ourselves, you know, letting go of the idea that having something come up over and over again is somehow a problem. You know, somehow it's, it's my fault that it's coming up over and over again. Just beginning to allow for the deep, deep patterns of conditioning that tumble on in our hearts and minds. And that, of course, these patterns come up over and over again. That's something we start to actually appreciate and see clearly just how deeply conditioned these habits and patterns are. These react, the ways that we react. And often that's where we struggle. Those, those are places where we struggle in our practice, where habits and patterns come up, old conditioning around frustration and confusion and anger and fear and judgment. And, and noticing those, as we notice those with mindfulness, we begin to see how painful it is to feel them. When we're actually mindful of our reactive habits and patterns, we feel what they do to us. We feel the tension, we feel the constriction, we feel the ache. We notice how our mind is not able to stay balanced or how it's kind of whipped around or whirled around. It's not able to be stable. And that's not a mistake that we see that because that's what's been happening to us and we haven't really seen it. We haven't known it. We haven't recognized it. 
because we've been more involved in believing something about that emotion, that frustration, for instance, if I only can, you know, figure this thing out, then I'll be okay. And so we're not really feeling into what it's like to be frustrated. We're not feeling into what it's like to be afraid or angry or confused. We are afraid or angry or confused and we're acting out of that energy. And so we're not really noticing it. And when we do notice it, the fact that it doesn't feel good, it's not a mistake. It's actually that that actually is um, part of how our minds begin to learn. We we feel into the the suffering of those patterns. And our our human system, our human system does not want to suffer. Our human um, organism kind of wants to orient towards well-being, towards ease, towards some measure of peace and happiness. And so when we're actually feeling into the struggles, our system begins to kind of look at ways to let go of those struggles begins to actually and and we also begin to to experience sometimes we begin to experience what happens when a pattern ends while we're experiencing it we we see that a frustration can end without the thing we're frustrating about ever changing and we feel the difference there we feel the movement in the direction of well-being and so all of this we, we can explore in, in our meditation through bringing mindfulness to how we are. And we, we practice a lot in the sitting meditation, walking meditation, informal, informal meditation practice. And yet it's also possible to be exploring these struggles, these habits and patterns, right in the midst of our daily lives. And this is what I'd like to take some time to talk about this evening, how maybe we can work with this in daily life. It's got a different feeling, you know, when, when we're when we're doing sitting meditation, or we're on we're on retreat, it's like we don't have much else to do. I mean, our whole, on retreat in particular, you know, you know, our whole, what our job is, is to be mindful. You know, we, we have, we might have a yogi job, we have to wash dishes or something, but, but there's not a lot of other things taking our, uh, needing to take our mental energy, as, as is the case in our daily lives. And so, Often at the end of retreat, this question does come up. Well, how do I do this in my daily life? You know, can I take this home? And 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 the answer is yes. Um, it feels different, um, and certainly the sitting practice is incredibly useful. But I know from my own practice that there's a way that the practice in daily life can have its own flavor, its own character. And, and not necessarily have the same kind of um, 
feeling as the sitting practice. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about that. You know, my, my own practice actually began with daily life practice. I didn't know how to meditate. Um, I had never sat, well, I had tried sitting down to meditate in college a few times, but hadn't done it in a long time. And, um, and, uh, but I was interested in understanding what was happening for my, for me in my mind. I was miserable. I was so unhappy. I was angry. I was lonely, all kinds of really challenging emotions, but the anger was probably the strongest thing. And it was, um, was kind of ruling my life. And so a friend sent me a book about mindfulness and it talked a little bit about, you know, meditation. And, but it also talked about just being aware of what you were feeling. And so that's where I started my practice with the idea that maybe I can be aware when anger happens. And I did that for a couple of months. That was my main practice. And I'll tell you, I learned a lot. I had never had a single meditation instruction. I'd read a few books, but you know, nobody telling me what it's, what is it like? How do you pay attention to emotions? I didn't have anybody to teach me that. I didn't know about attending to the body, letting go of the thoughts and, you know, noticing the, the, the sensations in the body. The very first time I became aware of anger, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm aware and I'm angry and oh, wow, this is painful. <laughs> That's about what I was aware of. And I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to hold it. But well, the next thing I said to myself was, well, I don't know what to do with this. I guess I'll go back to work because I had been, I had been working and the anger had come up and had been so strong actually that I was actually kind of frozen in front of my computer. I was, I was just like frozen in front of the computer and the mind was in this rage and I had, I had chosen this emotion of anger as something that I wanted to learn about. And I was really interested in learning about it. And I think in retrospect, that's key. If you would like to explore, and I'm, I would like to encourage potentially, um, if you have something, some, some um, habit or pattern of mind that is um, sticky for you in your daily life, something that's coming up kind of repeatedly and you're really interested in learning about it with mindfulness, not interest, not, not the interest in learning about it in terms of like, you know, what was all the history associated with it? Some of that actually comes up. Some of that we, we get to see as we, as we open to these habits and patterns, but, but, but mostly just interested in learning how it is to be that, to have that emotion arising in human experience. That's what, that's what we're interested in. Just that kind of interest. What is it like? Now, the, the, the benefit of that is that when we do get interested in an experience like that, it, it has a transformative power. And for myself, over the course of several months of, 
having that commitment. I took that. That was my, that was kind of my mindfulness project for the first two or three months of my practice. I had several of them. It, this wasn't the only one that I was doing in daily life, but, but this was, this was one of the big ones. And I'd say it was one of the ones that had the most trans, that created the most transformation over that course of two or three months to just be willing to look at that pattern. And so I was really interested in understanding it and potentially interested in having some ease around it, you know, that, that I was interested to, to, um, the, the, the book that I read that encouraged me to do this, um, implied or infer, I inferred from this that if I did this, that it might help my, um, my mind to let go of the anger. I had no idea how it would work. No clue how turning and looking at the anger would help it to go away. I only thought it would make it worse. But uh, that very first moment, that very first thing that I noticed when I was in that rage and I woke up, I had told myself, okay, I'm just going to know that I'm angry when I'm angry. And that was what I recognized. It's like, wow, I'm angry and I know it. It hurts. I have no idea what to do with this. I guess I go back to work. In retrospect, again, like looking back on this experience, that was a really important moment because in that moment, I could go back to work. I didn't notice that in the moment, how important that was. But I had been frozen within a rage, like not even in the room with my computer. I was somewhere else entirely. In a, in a rage and had been for quite some time in my mind. And that waking up into it broke the cycle of that escalating pattern of thinking. And I could set it aside at that point and go back to work. That, that's a big deal sometimes, with, especially with some of these habits and patterns. Some of them are, are a little bit more low key. And I'll talk a little bit in, in a little while. If I have time, we'll talk about a second example, which was a much kind of more low key or lower level um, emotion. The, the anger was a good one to pick because it's almost like I had to wake up into it in order to come out of it. Because I was in all of this rage, you know, it was like it was at that level that as soon as I got into the anger, it would just escalate and I would just be in a rage. And I, I had to kind of wake up in the middle of it in order, in order to go on with my life. And so it happened at some point that while I was noticing or while I was angry, I would wake up and know that I was angry. And so that's where I began is just noticing that. And, you know, for the first little while, I think actually that first time of noticing the rage, that was probably the last time that it got that bad. Because subsequently I began noticing just that, oh, here's the anger again. Okay. Yep. I guess. Yep. That's, yep. That doesn't feel good. And I guess I get on with my day. That's how I worked with that pattern. It wasn't like I stopped what I was doing and said, okay, you know, I'm having a conversation. I need to go off and like sit down and be aware of it. It's like just enough to know, wow, this is the experience. It hurts. 
and and I think in some ways because I didn't know how to attend to you know to be mindful of it, it was kind of like, well, I don't know what to do with this. I guess I could just go on with my day. But I think that actually ended up being really helpful in daily life to just have the mindfulness connect in a brief way with whatever that habit or pattern was. Know the experience there in just the most global way. And so just like that, yep, I'm aware and it hurts. Or I'm aware and there's, you know, this this kind of churning in my mind, just whatever was obvious. And then go on with my day. Over the course of a couple of months of doing that, the anger, the habit of the anger, or I think, I think in retrospect, what I, what I noticed is that um, because the mindfulness was waking up with the anger, and I had that kind of as a resolve, it's like, I, I want to know when I'm angry, I want to be aware of it. And um, because the mindfulness was connecting with the anger, it began getting familiar with what it was like. And it was, it, it feels to me in, in thinking back on it that the mindfulness kind of became attuned to the experience of anger and started waking up sooner and sooner and sooner in the process. So that the, uh, um, the pattern didn't have as much chance to escalate. And so what I was experiencing was, you know, much more low level anger, you know, just kind of like, oh yeah, there's, there's that movement towards anger. Okay. And, and yep. And I just get on with things so that the, the, uh, the recognition of the mindfulness, you know, having that commitment of, yes, I'm going to be aware of this allowed the mindfulness to connect with that pattern much more early in the process. So it was hugely transformative for me over the course of a couple of months. I really, I feel like it gave me my life back, this simple practice and not even knowing much about how to pay attention to the body or, you know, noticing thoughts or the mind or any of that, but just, I'm aware that I'm angry while I'm angry and yep, I go on with my day. And so even this really, really simple kind of mindfulness in daily life, around a habit or pattern can be really powerful, really powerful. Another example that around the same time, and all of this was before I even ever started sitting in sitting meditation. Um, I think it was, I think it was about three months into the process of observing these emotional patterns in my daily life before I decided Wow, this stuff is really useful. You know, I began to, I began to, um, to recognize how valuable it was to be aware of my emotions in my daily life. And I, I had, um, been reading the book, the book I, I was given, the friend gave me this book was Everyday Zen by Joko Beck. And, um, and she used the, the phrase, which we all use now that as a teacher, I use this all the time our meditation practice, our practice. And I was like, why does she call it practice? What is that about? Why doesn't she just say my meditation? And, um, and, uh, and then about three months into this process of seeing how valuable the meditation was, it, I remembered that this 
that she'd called this sitting in meditation practice. And I thought, oh, maybe that's why people sit in meditation. You practice it so that it's easier to do in daily life. So that's why I started sitting is because I thought it would help me to be more capable of, of meeting what was happening in my daily life. So another, another kind of emotion that I was curious about around this time was, was loneliness. And um, I was in the Peace Corps at this point. This uh, whole thing happened when I was in the Peace Corps. And um, my partner had broken up with me. That was what the anger was about. Um, and I was lonely at night. You know, this, this partner wasn't living in the same country I was. But, you know, when, when uh, my partner broke up with me, I started feeling really lonely when I went to bed at night. And, uh, you know, that was no big surprise. You know, it's like, yep, I, you know, it's like this reminder, I'm alone, you know, I'm, I'm never going to, you know, have another partner ever in my life or, you know, whatever the mind was doing. But, but so I was just, I just began noticing this routine kind of arising of loneliness every night. And so I thought, well, let's look at that. Let's see what happens if I look at that. You know, I'll just notice that when that happens every day. It was pretty regular. It was pretty easy to notice because it happened every night. So I began getting curious about it. Okay, what is it like to feel lonely? What, what happens there? And um, after a few nights of this, and some of you have heard this story before, I'm sure. Uh, after a few nights of, of noticing this loneliness, I, I began noticing, I, you know, every night when I went to bed, I picked up my little alarm clock and I, I set it you know, to wake me up in the morning. And one night I noticed that the loneliness arose and it felt so connected with looking at that alarm clock. I was like, that's weird. What does it have to do with like setting it? Why does loneliness have to do with the alarm clock? Um, and, and I didn't know, but I just was like, well, that's interesting. And, you know, set the alarm clock down noticed the loneliness and went to bed, you know, just kept on with my, my day. And so the next few nights, I, I, I began noticing that it was connected with the alarm clock, you know, that something about the alarm clock was, was somehow connected with the fact that the loneliness came up. And then one night, and I don't know how long this took, maybe a week or two, you know, before I saw this, um, one night when I picked up the alarm clock, I noticed a thought in my mind about being with my ex-partner in Disneyland, and we were in Tomorrowland looking up at a, a, a marquee that had a digital clock on it. And so there was, like, I saw that there was a connection between the digital clock that I was looking at and the memory. So there was a link, you know, kind of a conditioned link between those two. And I also saw in that moment that the loneliness was kind of a response to that memory. You know, the loneliness was about, was about like the mind, what the mind did with that memory was, oh, I was so happy when we could go to Disneyland and we had so much fun in Disneyland and I'll never have anybody to go to Disneyland with ever again and I'm never going to have fun ever again. <laughs> That's what the mind was kind of doing with, the, with this. And so the loneliness was created in response to that memory. 
Now, that was all pretty amazing to me that I saw all of that, you know, that I could see, you know, what happened in the mind that that that, you know, loneliness came up. But the more amazing thing was the next night when I went to bed. I picked up the alarm clock and I remembered that I had remembered all of this or or noticed all of this happening. And the loneliness did not come up. Now, I didn't try to make the loneliness not come up. It just didn't come up. It was like having seen the, the, the link or the, the connection between the memory and all of those tumbling thoughts and the loneliness. It's like having seen that, the mind had somehow let it go. It's like it had decoupled the memory from the loneliness. And I don't know how that happened so much, but I just know that it happened. The next night, that the, 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 the regular going to bed and being lonely every night ended with that experience. And so that, again, was another kind of big, like, wow, this stuff is really useful. <laughs> Look at what we can see. Look at what can be seen here with just, just simple, like, notice, trying to, to just be with, just be with this stuff. And how powerful it was and how freeing it was. So um, the, the main encouragement here is like in terms of something challenging for you, have a kind of interest or some courage to be curious about it in your daily life, right in the midst of your daily life, the, to go about it with a kind of, a, of an intention. I want, to, I want to be aware when that thing happens. So for me, when that anger happens, I want to, I want to be aware. Let's notice every night the loneliness, you know, let me just see what's happening. And just the lightest of touch, just whatever is obvious in that moment. Each time noticing, you might get some slightly different perspective on the experience. You might also begin to notice it getting weaker over time, kind of more gradually getting weaker over time. Or you might notice something like I did that with the loneliness, that something is revealed that kind of breaks the link or breaks the hook for the mind to get caught in that particular pattern. Now, I'm not saying I didn't get lonely ever again. That's not what I'm saying. But that that particular loneliness about you know, going to bed at night at that time of my life, that ended. So just a kind of encouragement to perhaps choose a pattern for yourself. Set this kind of intention to be aware. And in the lightest of ways, notice what you notice and get on with your day. See what happens if you do that over the course of three or four weeks. What happens to the pattern? Don't have an expectation that something's going to happen in that first moment. But just over the course of several weeks of doing this, what happens to the pattern? I've done this kind of practice a lot in my daily life and have learned so much. And I think there's a lot of, a lot more capacity we have to do this kind of exploration. I think sometimes we get a little caught up in all the instructions in the meditation, you know, how to be mindful, what to do. And in this, you know, when I first started, I knew very little and learned so much 
with that very little knowledge. So it's almost like forget all the instructions and just like, just notice like, oh yeah, I'm angry or oh, I'm frustrated. Okay. Yep. Ooh, it hurts or whatever. Whatever's obvious and then keep going and be willing to do that over the course of several weeks and see what you learn. If you keep that commitment, that kind of resolve to uh, keep looking at it, you will learn something. You will. Because mindfulness works that way. <laughs>